Nobody preaches on Lamentations. Lamentations is a tough, tough book in the Bible, but it's absolutely beautiful. And I encourage you, if you didn't hear it already, to go back and look at last week's lesson. Last week's lesson was Lamentations 3, which is the pinnacle of the book. It's just beautiful where he's horrible things are happening all around him, and he breaks out with great is thy faithfulness. And doesn't get a lot better than that. Stan in our prayer meeting this morning says, you know, when we get squeezed down, what comes out? Jeremiah got squeezed down and faith came out. And we have to cultivate that in, in our lives. So we're looking at Lamentations 4, if you want to turn your Bibles to that. If you haven't passed out the Bibles yet, Ben, you want to grab those and pass those out so everybody's got one. Lamentations 4. But I'm going to start by asking a question. This is something I ask in my prayer time from time to time. Why are God's promises not kicking in? There's promises in the Bible for health, strength, healing, promises for restoration of relationships, promises for abundance so that we can give to others, and promises to guide us in our vocations and what we do with our lives. I'm not talking just about jobs, but our calling in life for God to guide us through those things. And God promises all four of those things all through the Bible, but there are times when it feels like those promises are not kicking in. And we're going to look at a key to why they don't kick in and how to change that today. But first, we're going to take a little bit more of a lighthearted start before we get into Lamentations 4, because we're going to need it, because Lamentations 4 is nasty. And we're going to look at Bob Barker beating up um, Adam Sandler in Happy Gilmore. Now, you her younger, just know of Bob Barker as the guy who beat up Adam Sandler. But those of us who are older, Chris was talking about there's 1950s and 60s hardware in these doors. I'm thinking, that's me. It is my hardware. You know, my knees are in the shoulders. I've got hardware from back then. And if you came from my era, you remember Bob Barker's show, which was before The Price is Right, which was Truth or Consequences, which was on, I think, almost every day. It was on all the time, and they brought people up, and they would ask an impossible question that nobody knows the answer to. And in two seconds, ah, the buzzer would go, and that was Beulah the buzzer. And because they couldn't answer it, they had to face the consequences. That was sort of the premise of the show, and it was always really pretty funny. And Bob Barker would lead the show. And there is a town called Hot Springs in New Mexico. This was a radio show before it was a TV show. And... The guy on the radio said, if your town changes your, the name of your town officially to Truth or Consequences, we'll do the show there. And they did. They did. And in New Mexico, Hot Springs, New Mexico, is now known as Truth or Consequences after the radio show. But the reason I'm bringing this up is not to do nostalgia about TV. But this is the message of the prophets of the Old Testament. Face the truth live in the truth, or face the consequences. That pretty much is the message of virtually all of the prophets. Because civilization, which we have here, is really fragile. In a moment, things can unravel. And for a lot of our extended families throughout the world in the last few generations, they did. 
I think of what your mom went through on the way here. I think of what Wendy's parents went through in Europe. I think of what Dan's family went through here in America. And I think of the things that happen can happen quickly, very quickly. I was unloading my car last night and this family was walking by and the guy was a half block away ahead of his family walking up the street from the beach. And he had his beach stuff and he had a big backpack. And the family was saying, you're going the wrong way, dad, go this way. And he got all upset and he started using the F-bomb about them and threw his backpack against the wall of the phone company. He says, why don't you F and tell me and go all, all the way up here. You, you folks are F and worthless. And, and, and the mom is just going like this. People, civilization can unravel in a minute. It really can. Things can start to disorder, can take root in an ordered society. And this is what was happening in ancient Israel. And the prophets were calling them to face the truth and to live out of the truth and not their illusions and not their opinions. Oh, my goodness. Everyone's got an opinion nowadays, don't they? People have stronger opinion. Their opinions are stronger than their faith. Their opinions about the pandemic, their opinions about politics, their opinions about this, their opinions about that. And people are taking their opinions more seriously than they're taking the Lord. And this is where we get off track. And it happens quickly. And the prophets say, hey, tell the truth, or we're going to be facing some consequences here because this civilization which we've built up here in Israel is fragile. And it's based on the covenant with the Lord. And it's based on following certain values, not stealing, telling the truth, sticking with your family, those kinds of things which we have in the Ten Commandments. And if people stray from that, civilization can unravel very, very quickly. So it's truth or consequences. The book was written right around the year 587 BC when Jerusalem fell after 400 years of prosperity. King David and Solomon started it off and things got really good. Then they slowly started getting worse and worse and worse. The prophets kept saying, we have to face the truth or we're going to face the consequences because the buzzer is about to go off. Beulah the buzzer is about to go and we really need to get our act together as individuals, and as a nation. And it's easy to point at everyone else in this country and say, yeah, they need to get their act together. It's not me. Well, yeah, we need to get our act together too because we are a part of things. And just a few good people who are honest and upright can change an entire civilization, can actually move things in a good direction. It doesn't take everyone to do that. It doesn't take a majority. It just takes a few people to stand up for what's right and to do the right thing, and to tell the truth, and to put the Lord's word above our opinions. This is the pivot point of the entire Old Testament, 587 BC. Jeremiah is looking across the ravine at the city, and it's a smoldering ash heap. It's a, it's a smoking crater. The Babylonians have flattened it. The temple has been destroyed. So if you're a Jew, how do you do the Jew stuff? How do you do the Jewish stuff? How do you if there's no sacrifices and the priests are unemployed, what do you do? Who are we? Who are we now? The king has been let off in chains. The city is flattened. Is our God even real? Were we mistaken the whole time? Why has he let this happen to us? And so Jeremiah is weeping over the city. And he's basically saying, I told you so, because the entire book of Jeremiah, he's warning them. It's truth of consequences time, folks. It's truth of consequences. It's truth of consequences. And the buzzer goes off and the city goes down. 
failure is possible. It's possible for people to fail spiritually in their individual lives. It's possible to end up in hell. It's possible to go wrong and stay gone wrong. There are times where you can live a life in such a way and die in such a way that it's just over. My wife and I lived in western Washington on the Puget Sound, and we were always catching ferry boats because you have to catch the ferry boat to cross the Puget Sound to get back home from the hospital or wherever you're going in Seattle or whatever you're doing. And when the, when the boat sails, it sails. It doesn't come back for you. You miss the boat, you miss the boat, and people can miss the boat. And we're so enamored with our political opinions and our medical opinions, we forget that people are missing the boat every day. And we've lost a sense of urgency for reaching them and connecting with them. I've never really, in my whole life as a pastor, I've never seen evangelism at such a low ebb because we put other things in front of going after people who don't know the Lord. Because if they don't know the Lord, how are they going to get straightened out? It's not going to happen. So, how many chapters are there in Lamentations? You can cheat by looking at your Bible. The cool thing about church is it's always an open book test. You know, it's always open book. Five. We're on chapter four. Chapter three is the pinnacle, the capstone, the keystone. We're on chapter four. Jeremiah writes beautiful alphabet poems. Chapter one, 22 verses, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Chapter two, 22 verses, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Chapter three, 66 verses, three verses for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and he just goes off in this beautiful poetic thing. In the Hebrew, it's magnificent to read. And in the middle of chapter three, as Jerusalem is smoking as a crater, he breaks out in great is thy faithfulness. Wow. You press down on him, what comes up? Faith. I hope that's that what happened to all of us. I think it would. You folks are like a remnant. You folks are the people who stuck it out through a whole bunch of stuff, and you're continuing to show up and, and worship the Lord and get into the Word. And I really believe that virtually for everybody here, if we got pressed down, some good things would come up. And I've seen a few of you pressed down, and I've seen good stuff come up. I've seen some of you flattened by life, and I've seen nothing but good come up. And I'm proud of you for that. And I think it would probably happen with all of us, but we need to get some more people on the team to do that. Chapter 4, back to 22 verses. And he does a very subtle thing. Who conquered Jerusalem? Babylonians. What language do the Babylonians speak? Aramaic. He does 20, the Aramaic alphabet has 22 letters. It's very similar to Hebrew, but it switches up ayin and pei. He does an alphabet poem, but he does it in the Aramaic order. In other words, he's saying, it's over, folks. We're not going back. We may as well accept that our kids are going to be learning a different language. It's done. There is such a thing as game over. And we often don't have any urgency about that in our lives. We just look forward to retirement, and we don't think in terms of there will come a point where there's no going back. And we do have to do what we can to make. If, if you go to Canada, what, what, uh, 
how do they say the last three letters of the alphabet? X, Y, Z. They don't say Z. I was just so surprised by that. I still can't believe they say Z, but they do. It's like our, it, it's like Jeremiah here is, is changing up the alphabet just to show, hey, we're going to be using someone else's alphabet now. So this is how good he is with language. He's subtly putting these things in there to show that we are in for a couple generations of captivity. We may as well settle in and learn their alphabet because that's the way it's going to be. And the Israelites lost their language at this point. While they were in captivity, Hebrew ceased to be a spoken language. They just used it at the synagogue, basically. And Jesus grew up speaking what? The language of the Babylonians, Aramaic. Hebrew was reconstituted about 100 years ago in Israel. They locked a bunch of people in a room, and they decided, we're not going to say anything that isn't in Hebrew. And they reconstituted the language. And the national language now of Israel is Hebrew, which is crazy. They resurrected the language. That's cool stuff. So they actually made that work. So kudos to them. But let's look at Lamentations 4, 11 through 13. I left out some of the PG-13 and R-rated verses. Uh, some of those verses uh, are not going to be your memory verse. We'll put it that way. People, we have mothers boiling their children here. We've got the Donner Party going on because they're starving. It gets really, really bad. Verse 11, the Lord has given full vent to his wrath, and God is not capricious. Folks, he waited 400 years and kept saying, here's another exit ramp. Here's another chance to turn it around, and they just kept not listening. God's wrath is not some angry guy like I saw on the street last night throwing his backpack against the wall and screaming at his, his family. God's anger is his justice, and God has to meet out justice. God can't wink at terrible things. And God's justice will happen at some point. He's extremely patient. He's like the most patient parent ever. But there comes a point where there has to be, the checkbook has to be balanced. And that's what he's saying here. The Lord has given full vent to his wrath. He has poured out his fierce anger, kindled literally a fire in Zion that consumed her foundations, all the way down to the foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor did any of the peoples of the world, that enemies and foes could enter the gates of Jerusalem. Nobody believed that Jerusalem could be taken. It's, it's the top of a plateau. It's like back then warfare was fought with chariots. They couldn't get the chariots up the switchbacks, and Jerusalem was always safe. It's up there, and it's safe, and nobody can take us. Besides, we've got the temple of the Lord. doesn't matter what we do. doesn't matter what we say. doesn't matter how we act. We've got the temple. Didn't do them any good at the end. But it happened because of their sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests who shed within her the blood of the righteous. The priests had started doing human sacrifice. There was a god named Moloch who demanded children be given to him for the harvest and stuff. And they started taking part in that. Because our neighbors are doing it after all. Let's do that too. So blood had been spilled, and God always balances the checkbook. The most profound speech ever given in America, ever, was Lincoln's second inaugural address, which is so much like Lamentation. Here's the central part of it. This is actually the copy that he used at the, at the um, well, not on my computer, but uh, this is the copy he used uh, at, the, at the, what do they call that? The archives, the 
what's there's a what's that office called? The National Archive. There we go. Fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. We're at the tail end of the Civil War. And look what he's talking about with blood. Yet, if God wills, that it continue, this war continue, until all the wealth piled up by the bondmen, those who were enslaved, 250 years of unrequited toil, unpaid work, forced on them, forced labor, shall be sunk. In other words, the Lord may keep this war, war going until all of the wealth we've accumulated during that time gets destroyed. And much of the South didn't recover till my lifetime. Much of the infrastructure was wrecked, and it was a mess. The checkbook has to be balanced, and here's where it gets really heavy. And until every drop of blood drawn with the lash, in other words, every drop of blood with the beating of slaves, be equaled with blood lost from soldiers. We don't have guys making speech like, speeches like this anymore. But do you see how he understands justice? This has to be balanced. This checkbook has to be balanced. We can't ignore what happens to the slave. Shall be paid by another drawn with a sword. As it was said 3,000 years ago, Psalm 19.9, so still it must be said. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. God is a God of justice. I'm concerned about some of the stuff we've done and how that has to be balanced at some point. And at the end of chapter 4, you can look at the last two verses, 21 and 22. Edom was the neighbor of the Israelites. The Babylonians came in, destroyed the city. And the Edomites, their next-door neighbors, came in and looted the city and took everything that wasn't nailed down. One of the worst things you can possibly do. Happened in Minneapolis just recently. The worst looting we've seen in this country ever. Over a billion dollars in damage. Horrible looting took place. Looting is one of the most uncivilized things that can happen. And it shows how fragile civilization is. Once things start to kind of accelerate, looting takes, and a curse comes down on Edom at the end of the book because the Babylonians are bad, he says, but this is worse. Can you imagine if your house got destroyed and your neighbors all ganged up and took all your stuff? That's about as bad as it can get. So what do we do about this? Truth or consequences in our own lives. It's time to up our truth-telling game. I'd like to challenge you and me to do something. To not say anything or voice any opinion unless we know it's true. So often we pass things on that we haven't really checked because we don't like the person who said it or we like the person who said it or whatever, or because it lines up with our politics or how we voted. Let's do a little due diligence on the stuff that we pass on. 
And that includes gossip. Somebody says something to you about somebody else, don't pass it on, especially if you haven't checked it out. Especially if you want to believe bad things about that person, so you do pass it on. Because that person's a sinker and you want to get them. Folks, I've been in break rooms too, not so much at the church, because we gossip at the church, that gets you fired. But, but um, I've been in break rooms where a lot of gossip has gone on. And it's character assassinating. And it really can be. I love the quote, tell the truth or at least don't lie. We often don't know the full truth, but it's easy to stop lying. Because every time we're about to lie, the Holy Spirit puts a little warning light on the dashboard and says, you're making this up. You're embellishing this. You're creating something that isn't true to favor yourself or make yourself look good. I think it's possible to stop lying altogether. Who thinks that would be a good thing for our country if that got to be a habit, got to be contagious? Wouldn't you love to see a pandemic of, of not lying? And telling the truth, even when it's not in our own best interest, even when it hurts us to tell the truth as best as we know it. Time to up our truth-telling game. I think for believers right now, we need to be really careful about telling the truth. I see so much stuff passed on. There's just conspiracy this, conspiracy that, and nobody's checked anything out and done any research. So let's line things up with the word and see what's really true. Avoid all corruption temptations because the people of Israel had become corrupt. Corruption is when you get power and wealth. Now, there's nothing wrong with power and wealth. But with power and wealth comes extra responsibility to be more honest. Because the more feathers we have, the more tempting it is to feather our nest and to set things up so that we do great at the expense of other people. It happens to all of us, folks. I, I'm doing a lot better than I was financially when I was 22. And it's real tempting for me to do everything I can to protect that, no matter what that means for other people. Not to mention 22-year-olds trying to find housing nowadays. It's hard. Can we, work on, can we work together to avoid the temptation of corruption? You get into these big boardrooms, and it's real easy for people to vote themselves salaries that are 100 times higher, 100 times higher, not 100%, 100 times higher than people working at the bottom of the thing. And once you're up at the top making these decisions, it's pretty easy to do. We see that in healthcare. We see that in, in airlines. We see that in a whole bunch of different pyramid-type things. I think it's real important that we watch out for that. Those, especially those of us who are blessed with more. And there's nothing wrong with being blessed with more, but it comes with added responsibility to carry it well and to make sure that we do the right thing with it. Stay integrated. Stay integrated, my friends. Having idols. Now, you may not have a little statue of Baal at your house. I'm sure you probably don't. But when we have divided loyalties to lots of different things, and as Matt was saying this morning, 
to a lot of material things in America. I heard an economist, now there's two ways to look at this, three ways to look at this. I heard an economist last night saying all these ships out here that aren't docking, they're unloading more ships than they ever have right now at the port. But the demand of the American consumer is so high right now because we can press our buttons and get stuff. That's our stuff out there waiting for us. We're choking on the stuff we're bringing in. It's gotten so easy during the pandemic to just, oh, I just want this tomorrow. It'll, boop, 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 here it comes. And we can't even unload it. There's so much of it. We have to think in terms of saying, focus on the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean material things don't matter. It doesn't mean money doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be responsible for money. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means is that having diverse loyalties rather than just being loyal to the Lord, leads to fragmentation and the opposite of integrity, which is disintegration. The prophets all said the same thing. There's two big sins in Israel. One is corruption, and the other one is disintegration. You're going after other gods, and that was the symbol for being disintegrated. Your society gets disintegrated, and it becomes very fragile, and things start to fall apart. So we have to be people of integrity as best we can. Be as honest as we possibly can, even when it's not to our own benefit. To tell the truth whenever we can. To stay integrated, to stay focused on the Lord. And remember that God's grace does not cancel out justice. God's forgiveness doesn't mean you might murder somebody and God forgives you, but that doesn't mean you don't go to jail. God's justice will happen. And God's grace doesn't cancel justice in that sense. So go back to the question we had at the very beginning. Why do the promises of God sometimes not happen? They're in the Bible. Why aren't I getting healed? Why don't I have abundance? Why are my relationships falling apart? Why am I lost at sea with my vocation when God promises to guide me? Here's what I'd like to suggest that sometimes we need to tell the truth about ourselves in these four things. And it's not comfortable. I would love to be healthy all the time. But sometimes I don't eat well. And sometimes I'm lazy and don't exercise. It's like somebody smoking three packs of cigarettes a day and saying, would you pray for my cough? And I'm thinking, there's some truth that needs to be told here. I've got this hacking cough. Well, yeah, you do. But the truth is, there's something you need to do about that, too. Is there something we're doing in our finances? We're being irresponsible with our finances. We're going into debt. We're buying things that we really don't need, rather than saving, investing, and doing good things with our money, and giving, and being generous, the kind of things we should be doing with our money. I'm not saying don't have fun. That's not the point. What I'm saying is, are we doing things with our money that's causing the problem? There's a ton of people in my generation with a negative net worth financially. Living on Social Security in California, oh boy, it's not, it's not easy. Are there things we're doing about, are there things we're doing in our own financial life that are irresponsible, that are keeping the Lord from blessing us financially? Are there things we're doing in our health that are keeping the Lord from blessing us with healing? 
Are there things in our relationships? Well, I don't have any good friendships. Well, maybe you need to go to charm school or something. Maybe you learn to be learn to be nicer to people. Maybe you need to learn to listen to them rather than just talk at them all day. Who loves it when people start talking at you and you don't get a word in edgewise for 40 minutes and you've got your earphone on, you walk around, you do chores in the house while the person's just going, yak, 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 yak. And they wonder why they're lonely. The Lord's promising healing to my relationships, but I'm not, not very fun to be with. What about vocation? Lord, you promised to guide me, but you haven't taken any of the advice he gives you. Haven't followed up on certain things that look too hard. That would, that would take dedication to get that certificate so I could get that job. I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to do what the Lord has me do. I put a bathtub in here for a reason. The Lord's promises are like water coming out the faucet. He's pouring his, he's pouring his blessings in, health, relationships, finances, and vocation, pouring as fast as he can. But some of us unplug the drain by our behavior. And we wonder why the tub is not filling up. Who thinks, along with me, that I might be part, you might be part of the problem occasionally with these promises? Is it, 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 God's doing his best to bless us. But if we pulled the plug out of the, the drain and all this stuff is flowing out, Maybe we need to take better care of our health. Maybe we need to be more responsible with our money. Maybe we need to work harder and earn more. Maybe we need to be more diligent in our vocation and learn a craft or, or trade. Maybe we need to learn why we don't have friends sometimes or why certain relationships fall apart. Sometimes it's the other person's fault. Sometimes the other person's a jerk. Who thinks we're occasionally the jerk? It can happen. So let's tell the truth about ourselves so that God's blessings will fill the tub and we won't have to face the consequences. Because we can know the truth. Then Jesus said, this is John 8, 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We want to go after the truth, be obsessed with the truth. And the Holy Spirit shows us the word and the spirit. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things I said to you. He'll teach you what? How many things? All things. The Holy Spirit's talking to us all the time. I've always said God has more talk than we have listened. I don't really hear from the Lord. You know, me, 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 me. We're not listening. We need to open up in our prayers. We need to open up time to listen for God speaking to us. Let me invite the worship team up. When, you, when they pressed down on, on Jeremiah, out came faith. And some of those beautiful verses in the Bible, in the midst of horror and tragedy. But I want to end this on a good note. And here it is. You see here a picture of the space shuttle. And the space shuttle has three main engines. And you see them there in the back of the, the space shuttle. It's like a triangle there, three engines. And those are the main engines. But those main engines could not possibly get the space shuttle off the ground. It's too heavy. They strapped on two solid boosters, which are like gigantic bottle rockets is what they are. Ever fired a bottle rocket? Huge bottle rockets. They light those things off, and up it goes. 
facing the truth and telling the truth, it's like having rocket boosters for the promises of God. It fires up the promises of God. Telling the truth about our situation and being honest about things puts the plug back in the bathtub so that God's water can fill up the bathtub. And if we can ask those people who love us, those people who love us, ask those people who love us, is there anything I'm doing to pull the plug out of the bathtub? Is there any? This got to be with people you trust, people who mean the best with you, not people who are just critical of you. You understand what I'm saying? Is there anything I'm doing in my finances, my relationships, my health, my vocation that's keeping the Lord from, from blessing me? Am I not facing the truth about something in my life? Because I want to face that truth, and that truth is going to be like strapping on these, these boosters. And the promises of God can take off. I don't want to spend another day sitting on the ground when I could be launched. So I'm going to ask some of the people in my life, where am I pulling the plug? What's keeping me from thriving in certain situations? What's keeping fruits from fruitfulness from, from coming from work? We can find people like that. We can know the truth, and the truth can set us free, and the promises of God can kick in. Let's pray. Lord, uh, your promises are real. And there are times where we stand in the way because we don't want to see the truth about what we're doing. We want health and strength, but we don't cultivate our health and strength. We want abundance, but we're not responsible with what you've given us. We want good relationships, but maybe we haven't given as much in relationships as we're trying to get. We want a meaningful vocation, Lord, but often avoid the discipline that it takes to get there. A lot of people, Lord, would love to play the guitar, play piano, but it takes thousands of hours of practice to do that. We pray, Lord, that uh, we'd be people who know the truth. The truth sets us free. Lord, my prayer for myself is that I put the plug back in the bathtub so that the water fills up. And I pray that you help me find the right people to ask those questions. And I pray, Lord, that you help all of us to find people we can trust who can speak truth into our lives because they care about us. Help us to avoid those people who just want to tear us down, Lord, and they're not going to be much help anyways. But people who are willing to, to see how we operate because we want to know the truth and we want the truth to set us free. Lord, I believe that everyone here most everyone here would bring forth good things if we were under serious pressure. We give you thanks for Jeremiah, Lord, who did exactly that. We pray that you bless us as we finish up this book and continue in your word in the weeks to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
begins to fall on the name of Jesus I will call for I know my God is in control and his purpose is unshakable Doesn't matter what I As I walk into the days to come, I will not forget what you've done. For you have supplied my every need, and your presence is enough for me. Doesn't matter what I feel, doesn't matter what I see, my hope will always be your promises to me. Now I'm casting out all fear, for your love has set me free, my hope will always be your promises to me. Set me free. My hope will always be. 
your promises to me. Doesn't matter what I feel, doesn't matter what I see, my hope will always be your promises to me. Now I'm casting out all fear, for your love has set me free. My hope will always be your promises to me. Your promises to me. Just open up your hands and, and receive a blessing. Lord, I just want us to picture lots of water pouring over our hands, Lord, uh, almost weighing them down. And that's what your blessings are pouring out on everybody. You pour out your blessings on everybody in creation. Like that bathtub, Lord, the water's always flowing. The promises that Kim was singing about are always coming. And they're real. And that water is real. And that blessing is real. It's living water. And so often, Lord, we let it flow through our hands and uh, don't keep it. I'm reminded of the widow in the Old Testament, Lord, who had oil jars and the oil was flowing. And eventually she ran out of jars and the oil stopped. And it wasn't because there wasn't any more oil. It was because she ran out of jars. So, Lord, give us capacity to receive your blessings. And we pray, Lord, that we wouldn't feel beat up by your word, but we'd feel empowered to know that we can put that plug in the bathtub, the plug of truth. Help us to seek the truth about ourselves, Lord, so your blessings could flow. We can receive all that you have for us so that you, you came to give life and give it abundantly. We pray all this in Jesus' name who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Now may Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. Uh, we have only one rule here, and that's that you have to eat all the snacks. So uh, <laughs> grab something. Talk to somebody you, you just uh, don't know that well. Uh, greet somebody. Say hi. And uh, enjoy some snacks. We'll see you next week, and we'll be finishing up with Lamentations 5. <laughs>